With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, and the study we're going to talk about today is the Global Business Ethics Survey, which is really the only study of its kind in our industry. It's a longitudinal cross-sectional study if there are stats fans in the, in the crowd. Um, but it is meant to be a global look at the state of ethics in workplaces around the world. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by the Ethics and Compliance Initiative, or ECI, on the 2021 Global Business Ethics Survey. In this five-part series, I'm joined by Dr. Pat Harned, president of ECI. Since 1994, ECI has conducted the only cross-sectional study of workplace conduct from the employee's perspective. ECI's Global Business and Ethics Survey provides the only global benchmark on the state of ethics compliance in business. This year's GBES is the first compliance-related survey conducted after the global pandemic hit. Over this series, we will review the key findings, how retaliation against whistleblowers is taking an alarming term, the impact on COVID-19, on compliance, and we conclude with conclusions and recommendations. In this part four, we take a look at COVID-19 and its impact on compliance. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Pat Harned for our fifth and final episode in our five-part exploration of ECI's 2021 Global Business and Ethics Survey. First of all, Pat, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Tom. Uh, Pat, sort of in the first four episodes, we've set up a big problem or series of problems, and I hope in this episode we can give some not only conclusions, but perhaps recommendations about how the compliance practitioner and, the, and indeed the entire compliance profession can incorporate this information into their uh, risk management programs to help alleviate and or uh, mitigate them. So uh, what were some of the report's conclusions? We ended up fine saying in, in the end, having spent all this time looking at these the data and all these trends that that first of all there is has been a worsening in the three three indicators that to us are signs of trouble ahead so the fact that exponential numbers of people are experiencing pressure to cut corners the fact that while misconduct has remained static you know has has maintained the status quo but also add to that the fact that retaliation is skyrocketing. Those are not good signs. And if anything, they are indicators that ethics and compliance professionals, business leaders need to be making sure that they are taking steps to address 
how their own organization is doing. Um, so a lot of what we said in the conclusions, we tried to break it out based upon where organizations are in their journey in ethics and compliance. But overall, all around the world, we we are seeing trends that are worrisome. If we, I think we have to agree that the trends are worrisome, but there are some recommendations of actual steps that a company can take. So perhaps we can uh, explore some of those and and maybe look at some uh, broader concepts from uh, other places as well. So what are some of the recommendations that uh, UNECI have come up with for this report? Sure. As um, as I mentioned, we we tried to tailor these recommendations just based on where organizations are in thinking about the importance of ethics and compliance overall. And they're based on, first of all, a couple of key findings that we reported in the beginning of this whole research report. And that is that when you establish a high quality ethics and compliance program, there is a significant impact on the strength of the culture of the organization. And then once you establish a strong culture, there is a significant impact in good ways on outcomes like pressure, like observed misconduct, reporting retaliation. So that those t- two key findings drove the way we thought about recommendations. For organizations that have not done anything to address ethics and compliance in the workplace, or have a limited ethics and compliance program, more likely to be a compliance program than an ethics one. Um, Step one is to begin to implement what our industry is increasingly defining as a high quality ethics and compliance program. And there are resources available. We, of course, ECI has issued some reports over the years that help to define what it looks like to have a high quality program. Um, But also there are some basic steps that go an awful long way, especially in an environment like the one we're in right now. Another thing that organizations can do is to identify a set of core values if you don't have them already and begin to integrate them into your daily conversation with employees. Help them to understand that concepts like integrity matter to you and your leadership and your workplace. Um, Help people to understand that you want to establish respect as the norm. You know, there are some core values you can identify and begin to integrate. And then the, the, the other recommendation we made was that, especially if you're just getting started, to develop performance goals for senior leaders, for managers, so that they visibly support and reinforce the work you're doing in establishing an ethics and compliance program. If you already have an ethics and compliance program in place, um, certainly it is now a time to take stock of what you've done. There are metrics available, benchmarks available to help organizations gauge the extent to which their program is maturing, the extent to which they're establishing a high quality program. But I also think that this is an important time to be reaching out to employees to determine how much pressure are they feeling um, to help them be able to cope with all of the transitions that are taking place in your organization. But also this is a time, especially if you've got the basics of a program in place to focus on getting leadership to understand, accept, and lead an effort to strengthen the culture of your organization. Um, If you don't have performance metrics in place around key behaviors that we expect to see 
among leaders who are driving the strong culture, that's an important uh, program step to take as well. Pat, in an uh, earlier episode, I think it was the one on retaliation, I mentioned that uh, the Department of Justice has now said the compliance function is the keeper of organizational justice and organizational fairness. Uh, typically that, or, or usually I think that was seen in the HR function, but now the DOJ has mandated that the compliance for CCO and compliance team need to uh, be heavily involved in that. If we take that mandate from the government, um, how does a compliance professional, how does a CCO begin the conversation with HR or even begin to think through how can we keep or improve our organizational justice and fairness in light of some of these findings about retaliation? Is it going down and having a virtual cup of coffee with your head of HR? Is it uh, reviewing hotline reports? Is it uh, looking at retaliation data? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it's all of those, but also there are some studies that have been done. Some of them may be a little bit older, but um, that look at organizational justice and what are actual drivers of people's beliefs that there is organizational justice, that there is fairness in the way um, violations are, are pursued and accountability happens. One of the biggest findings from that is that the more employees understand about the reporting process, the more a company is transparent about how they undertake, obviously not sharing facts about investigations, but the more they're sharing what procedures are in place, what policies are in place, what actions are taken. There are benefits to the organization in employees' willingness to come forward and report. So one suggestion I would make is that um, you know, if the ethics and compliance program and HR are duly tasked or one is tasked and the other is not, it is important to have a conversation about how those things come together and link together. Um, but reporting numbers, we know, depending on what your numbers are, if it's just helpline numbers, they're an insufficient picture of what's really happening and to the what extent there actually is organizational justice in, you know, in operations. So it's a complicated topic. I do think there are some great research studies out there. There are also just some great um, program guides and, and resources available for organizations that are looking for them. In December of 2020, the um, ACFE, Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, released a report that indicated that uh, in, in company surveys that fraud risks had increased and actual fraud had increased in every Every time I talk to a fraud examiner, a fraud risk management professional, they tell me the number one um, detection uh, technique for fraud is a whistleblower. In the fraud world, that's how more fraud is uncovered. Someone comes forward, they raise their hand. So we've got a couple of things there. We have increase in fraud, increase in pressure uh, that you found in the uh, 2021 survey. Uh, Pressure is one of the prongs of the fraud triangle. So it seems to me we're beginning to see several disparate trends kind of uh, coalescing here that uh, I tell people that fraud is me stealing from the company. Corruption is me, or bribery is me stealing from the company to fund a pot of money to pay a bribe. And that's really the only difference. So we're seeing um, pressure increase 
And in one instance, fraud is occurring. In another instance, perhaps uh, other misconduct is is occurring. All of that wrapped around this uh, finding around retaliation has increased as well. And I just wondered if we're beginning to see uh, some of these uh, changes that have occurred and that companies need to refocus a wide variety of corporate disciplines, fraud examination, internal audit, ethics and compliance, HR, around uh, these surveyed findings? I think so. I mean, I, I have to say that when you look at all of these metrics, when you put them all together, it paints a frightening picture. It's a worrisome picture, but it still remains, this data does continue to show that when an organization commits to putting into place a high quality ethics and compliance program, they do move the needles on a lot of these metrics. But I think to your point, another trend I would add to what you were saying about pressure, about retaliation, the fact that we have seen culture strength it's good that we haven't seen it decline, especially in this COVID environment. But it's still worrisome that only one in five people say that they work in a strong ethical culture. And so in addition to in the fraud triangle, having the opportunity, being having you know pressure all of those elements, there's also an element, dimension of culture that allows for fraud to take place and often fraud to take place and perpetuate and potentially even get worse. Um, So I I would say that as we begin to think about what does all this mean and what is the way forward, we are seeing signs that it is time to shore up the organizational ethics and compliance program. We're also seeing signs that while culture doesn't seem to have gotten worse yet. The amount of change that's happening every day in organizations, we should be worried that it is going to get worse. And that will be kind of the the other element that um, I think could spell some trouble for a lot of organizations. Uh, I know I've said this several times, but uh, one of the most prescient phrases I heard over the last year is, disaster recovery to business continuity to business as usual. If I could tie that concept to what the Department of Justice said, I think an incredibly prescient release of information last summer with the update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, they talked about assessing your risks when the risks change and then using that as really the first part of a continuous uh, cycle of information of continuous monitoring and continuous improvement But then not stopping there, you use that information to uh, update and improve your compliance program based upon the information you've come in. Um, At the time, uh, that struck me as, well, when my risks change, I need to reassess. After reading this report, I think I need to change the formulation. When I have change, there are new risks. And whether that changes, we're all working from home. Whether that changes, we're all going back to the office. Whether that changes, no shot, no work. Um, we are now in in uh, an era of seems, as you just said, constant change. And so I'm really wondering: is one of the bigger uh, takeaway <clears throat> takeaways from this is that you need to be ready to assess change? Yes, absolutely, and certain. I mean, we look at about seven different kinds of change. I'm sure that there are plenty of others that we haven't even thought of to ask employees about. But there are some that even in normal times or a lot of 
ethics and compliance professionals will say, you know, a single leadership change can change your culture. It can dramatically affect the way people work, depending upon the seniority of the role, the level of impact they have. So companies should be looking at leadership change. They should be looking at downsizing. They should be looking at adjusting in adjustments in work hours, adjustments in pay, um, any kind of merger, acquisition, relocation. And, and of course, we've all been relocated in the last year. We're all going to be relocated again, presumably, hopefully, in the not-too-distant future. Those should be considered risk areas, especially in present times for organizations. The other one I would add um, is pressure. You know, to what extent are employees feeling pressure Especially, and one thing that we have seen in this research, too, is that employees will tell you if they feel pressure to cut corners. They're not telling you they've actually done it. They're telling you they feel pressure to do it. And it's an excellent gauge of the extent to which misconduct is on the horizon. Um, So I think taken together, when you're looking at risk in your organization, those are important metrics to to monitor right now. But that's, uh, I think, a great way for us to end this series. Um, This has been a a fabulous five-part exploration. Could you tell our listeners uh, where they could go if they wanted any more information on the ECI or the 2021 GBES? Sure. We would welcome anybody who wants to visit our website. Just think, remember the first part of our name and visit www.ethics.org. Well, Pat, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to uh, continuing the conversation. Thanks again for having me, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this special five-part podcast series featuring Pat Harned, president of ECI on the Ethics and Compliance Initiatives 2021 Global Business Ethics Survey. I would urge you to go to the website, which I've linked to in the show notes, and download the survey. It obviously has a lot of interesting information and information that you can utilize in your compliance program. Also, there's more in the recommendations section around high-quality programs and how to move towards that going forward. This special five-part series has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you'd like to have a special podcast series, please contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.